On episode 558 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Hillary Topper and discuss her book, From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 558. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. What's keeping you from losing weight, improving your health, and getting more fit? You start out great, and then bam, something comes along and derails you. Your diet was going great, but that birthday cake on Saturday fired up your sweet tooth. Or you were working out every day, and you hurt your foot. Your doctor told you to keep off of it for six weeks. Those six weeks have come and gone, and you're still keeping off of it. But deep down, you know it's not the cake or the injury to blame, right? It's a mindset block. And like an invisible wall, each and every time you make progress, you inevitably backslide. Until you address your health blocker, you won't see the success you want and need. That's why I created a quiz to help you diagnose your health blocker. It's absolutely free at 40plusfitness.com forward slash quiz. Take the free what's your health blocker quiz at 40plusfitness.com forward slash quiz. Hey, Russ, how you doing? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing all right. A uh, little Good. shaken, not stirred. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, um, I'm on vacation in Puerto Vallarta. And so I, I landed, I landed on Monday um, and got an Uber, uh, which is a little bit of an ordeal because they don't want them at the airport. So you have to leave the airport and go somewhere oh. else. So the Uber pick, that's fine. It's not that mm. far, but Uber picks me up. We're driving back to the hotel and this dude just runs out in front of the car. I mean, he almost, our Uber almost hits him. If it would not been like a neighborhood kind mm -hmm. of area with the resorts and all the houses, he would definitely hit this guy because he just ran out in front of us. And then he's yelling frantically. Um, you know, there's an earthquake and in Spanish, but he's yelling, there's an earthquake. I'm like, okay. Wow. And so the car, the car literally was bouncing up and down sideways to sideways. So like, doo, 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 oh my goodness. And, and, and so, you know, it did that for about five minutes and then everybody's standing out in the road, you know, standing around. So then finally people start moving out of the road. My driver's like, okay, let's go. He drives me to the hotel. And of course, everybody at the resort, you know, they're all out and on the street and I walk in and they're like, you can't go inside right now, you know, be a little while. They said five minutes, but it ended up being like 45 minutes. But so we're standing out there and this woman is just distraught. Oh, like, no. you know, cause a lot of people seemed more emotionally affected by this than, you know, and it's not, everybody's got their emotion things and their buttons. Mm -hmm. And so something scares them. And suddenly, you know, again, a lot of things flare up in them and it's, it's personal, but this, this was not that her oh. husband was stuck in oh. the building oh, because he was not capable of walking down the stairs. Oh no. And she was, mm -hmm. 
So she walked down the stairs and told the staff that he was up there. They sent two guys up. So she had already at this point, when I got there, she had already been standing out there for over five minutes. And, you know, another 15, 20 minutes goes past without him coming down. Hmm. And so she's just beside herself, you know, and, 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 and so I kind of, I kind of took from her mannerisms and the conversation that she saw me as someone who was physically capable. Uh, and she wanted me to go in there and bring her husband down. You know? So I walk oh up gosh. to the guy, I walk up and the guy's like, you can't, we can't, we're not letting anyone in the building. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, is there anything going on there? Cause you know, it's a guy and it's like, yeah, we got two guys going up there. Like, okay. So I go back to her and I say, okay, look, the two guys are okay. They, you know, they're, they're just not down yet. And but it was just kind of that that moment when you sit there and you say, one, I would never want to do that to my spouse. Mm -hmm. And two, I would not want to be the spouse that couldn't help my significant other get where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we start talking about fitness and we start talking about all this stuff, you know, the reality of it is you've got to be fit to be the person that you want to be. And you got to start working on that now. Yeah. You know, these, these, these folks were, they were probably not even into their seventies. Wow. And he, he literally, he could walk. I was like, I saw him yesterday at the pool. He, he's fine. Um, but he, he could walk along the edge of the pool, supporting himself by the pool, by the side of the pool. So even in pool water mm -hmm. that was up to his, almost his chest, he still needed to support himself with the side of the pool. And she had to help him get out of the pool. Wow. Uh, you know, so one rail and then her to get out of the pool. Uh, and I'm just like, dude, you, I mean, I know you're old. I know this is a struggle, but you got to get stronger. You got to mm -hmm. get stronger. You can't put your wife through that again. I didn't say mm -hmm. that out loud. That sure. was one of those internal thoughts that you kind of have as you're sitting mm -hmm. there. It's like, just don't do that. I would yeah. never do. I don't want to do that. So, you know, wow. if you're thinking about reasons why you need to do this, um, that, uh, <laughs> that you might have to take care of someone else, or you definitely don't want them to have to take care of you. Um, sure. and, and on that same kind of note, uh, I'm, I'm on this summit that's, uh, about optimal health and longevity. It's going to be coming out, uh, in about a week from now when this, this episode goes live. Uh, and so if you'll go to 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash optimum. Uh, that's going to take you to a sign up page to, to view that it's like 21 health and fitness experts talking about ways to improve your health, to improve your longevity. Um, and I'm on it. So it's gotta awesome. be awesome. Uh, <laughs> that sounds great. So 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash optimum. Okay. And it's going to, it's going to kick off in a, in about six days from now. I think this goes out the fourth. So, uh, it's going to come out on the 10th. I don't know what day my episode is. As soon as I know that I'll, I'll let you know, uh, but it's free and it's, you know, some great content. Uh, if you're looking at improving your health and, and longevity, uh, go check it out. That sounds great. Congratulations, Alan. It sounds like a fun summit to be involved with. Yeah. The, I mean, the interview was great. Um, you know, the, the host, uh, Yoli, she's, um, she's cool. And, uh, it was just, a, it was a really good conversation and, um, I shared some tidbits. I actually even shared that story. So you'll have oh. probably a little bit more information than they even had. Uh, but you know, it is that kind of that concept of let's, let's not get old, old, <laughs> let's get mm -hmm. young, old. Okay. Sure. So how are things up there? 
Well, well, we've we've done a lot in the last week, Alan. Since I spoke with you last, my life turned upside down and it has since righted itself again. But I, uh, we had COVID again enter our home, actually for the first time. Uh, my son and husband were away on a weekend traveling and they brought home COVID. I caught it and uh, it was really kind of interesting. My son felt um, like a cold, fluish kind of feeling. He didn't have it too bad and the doctors didn't think he needed any additional treatments or anything. Um, I got it even more mild. I only had a sore throat, so I'm grateful to have such mild symptoms for this weird disease. Um, but my, my husband got hit hard. It hit him hard. And it's because, as I've mentioned to the listeners in the past, he's right in the middle of taking chemotherapy and immunotherapy for kidney cancer. So his body was already pretty frail because of the chemo to begin with. And so when he got COVID, it just knocked him right off his feet. So his oncologist gave him the Paxlovid that a lot of people are taking and it worked really fast. It's a five-day regimen. And within a couple of days, he felt back to his normal chemo self. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So but, he went from, he went from yeah. a 0.5 to a one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Chemo is no joke either. It's, you know, he's had good days and bad days, but fighting cancer and COVID at the same time, it was a huge nightmare. He was just in a really bad space and it was really scary for the both of us. But since we've made it through, um, we're all three of us are feeling healthy again, pretty much back to normal. And um, we had a visit with our oncologist. He's doing fine. He's back on his chemo regimen as usual. So that's what we're doing. So it was crazy, but now back to normal and <laughs> it's good to be through it all. Thank goodness it's over. Yeah. And, and you know, let Mike know I'm, I've got him in my thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, are you ready to talk to Hillary? Sure. Our guest today is a 30-year public relations veteran. She runs both HJMT Public Relations, Inc., a full-service public relations and social media agency, and HJMT Media Company, where she curates two blogs and a podcast. In addition, she is an adjunct professor at Hofstra University, where she teaches digital communications and public relations classes to undergraduate and graduate students. Besides the book From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete that we're going to talk about today, she has written two other books, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Social Media and Branding in a Digital World. In her spare time, she trains for endurance events, including triathlons. She is a Level one USA certified coach, a Galloway certified running coach, and a certified personal trainer. She runs an international triathlon team, We Are Endurance, and she has a local running club where she meets weekly with her members. With no further ado, here is Hillary Topper. Hillary, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me. Now, today we're going to talk about your book. From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete. And um, I think many of us can kind of relate to that couch potato life and how difficult it is to to basically get out of that, get out of that couch and, and make some things happen. Uh, so I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today about this book because it talks about your story of how you did this. And, and this is not something you did when you were 20 or 30. Um, you were over 40 years old, so you're, you're speaking our love language, um, doing this when you're not the young buck, you know, out there doing these things. Um, but, and you didn't just 
play around. You're, you're a triathlete. So, um, this is some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So I started running at 48, which I mean, for me, my motivation was I was working all the time. I had my own business, small business. I was putting in those 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I was going to cocktail party after cocktail party and I needed to change my life. I wasn't happy. You know, even though the business was doing really well, I wasn't happy. So I needed to make a change. And I joined New York Sports Club and I hired a personal trainer. And my first entree into this sport was to step onto a treadmill. And I looked at this thing and I was like, wow, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Could somebody help me? <laughs> so I asked a couple of people and they turned it on for me and I started walking and that was my first step into it. You know, and then from there, I started to run a little bit and gradually it took several months, but I ran a mile and then I took it outside and, and that's, I just took it little by little. It's like one step in front of the other, basically. Yeah. There's a, there's a runner's mantra that's, yeah, just put one foot in front of the other until the race is over. Um, now there was one thing in your book that I, I have to ask because people, People put Easter eggs in their in their books all the time, and I love finding these things. Uh, you're going to have to tell me the story about you crashing um, Woody Allen's New Year's Eve party. So I was um, 17 years old, and my friends and I, there were two two of us, and so there were three all together. We saw an article in the New York Post and the New York Post, it said that Woody Allen was having this New Year's Eve party it was the year 1979 and he was having it at the Harkness House in New York City. And we did some research and we found out that Donald Bruce White was the caterer. And we, um, I called up the Harkness house and I said, can I, can I tour around the facility? I want to make a, a surprise party for my parents' 25th anniversary. And they said, sure. So they took the three of us and we toured around and we got back on the train back to Long Island. And we started drawing out a schematic of the whole entire place, like where the kitchen was, where the party would take place, where the shower room was. And that December 31st, 1979, the three of us, we dressed up as caterers with our clothes under tinfoil trays. And we walked into the Harkness house and said we were with the caterer. They let us in. And as soon as the coast was clear, we jetted down to the basement and we hid there for eight hours. Now, if this happened today, it wouldn't have happened, right? But back then it was a little bit less secure. And we stayed there for eight hours. And then as soon as we heard the party start, we changed our clothes, went upstairs to the party, and um, we met and mingled with all the famous people of the day, like Mick Jagger, Robin Williams, uh, Mia Farrow, Diane Keaton. I mean, you name it, everybody was there, and it was so exciting for us. And what happened was, at midnight, you know, we're having champagne and caviar with all these celebrities. And I, I don't know why they didn't say like, who are you? They, nobody ever asked us who we were, but um, 
at the end of it, I we went downstairs. We, I kissed Woody Allen's cheek and said, thank you, Mr. Allen, for inviting us. And he looked at me like, who is this woman? And who are these kids? And what are they doing here? And we left our clothes downstairs in the shower room. We left. We were screaming down Fifth Avenue. I mean, it was just in- insane. And we got to... Um, my friend's apartment in on McDougal street. And we went up there. He was in college. The two of us were in high school at the time. And so we went up there and I called the New York post right away. And, and, and they said, well, how do we know that this is true? And I said, well, well, clothes are down in the shower room. So they checked it out. And the next thing we know, um, we had a cover story on the New York post saying (laughs) teens crash Woody's bash. And we were also in Newsday and a local paper. And there was a famous, you know, we used to love this one station. It was an alternative station called WLIR Radio. So we were on there too. And and that was our story. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how I became a publicist because I figured if I could do it for me, I could do it for other people. That's pretty cool. Now, you had a concept in the book that I think was really critical for a lot of people because they, they see something in front of them, like, like maybe they want to do a 5k or, you know, maybe they want to do a, a bike thing back bike race. Um, there's a concept you had in the book called the back of the packer. And I think this is really, really important. Can you explain what that is and, and kind of the mindset that it gives you when you kind of accept that reality? Yeah, I mean, there are so many of us who are back of the packers. I mean, these are people who will never, may never podium unless they're the only ones in their age group. Um, They have the possibility of being swept off the course. There's always that possibility. If you can't make it within a certain amount of time, you get swept. And the thing about being a back of the packer is that, you know, I think... Also in my book, I, uh, one of the people I quoted said, back of the Packers have more fun. (laughs) And, you know, in a way we do, because we take this as a competition against ourselves and not so much other people. I mean, yes, in the beginning you you get intimidated, you feel like, you know, one of the things that I write about in the book, I talk about Becky, uh, a friend of mine, And she was a marathon runner and I was intimidated by her because she was a marathon runner. I thought she'd be better than me. She'd be faster than me. She'd be, you know, she had more endurance than me. And when we ended up running together, we were the same pace. So, you know, I think that we need to kind of get that out of our heads that it's a bad thing to be a back of the packer because it's not a bad thing. It's, you know, we have fun doing what we do and we love it just as much as the elite or middle of the Packers. Um, You know, and again, we just really compete against ourselves. Yeah, there is a lot more talking going on in the back of the pack than there is in the front. I can tell you that. (laughs) Yes. Now, now you practiced uh, a method. I've, I've had Jeff Galloway on the show before. And I actually use his method a lot with my clients and coaching. Can you talk about his uh, run, walk, run method that you use? Yeah. So um, I hired, well, Jeff actually, um, you know, he was my coach 
for the 2016 marathon. Um, I was first introduced to it a couple of years before, but I really didn't get it right until he started coaching me. And when he coached me, he taught me that the shorter I run, the faster I will run. So if I'm running five seconds or if I'm running 10 seconds and I'm walking 30 seconds, I'm going to run those five seconds or those 10 seconds much faster than I would normally do if I'm not doing the run walk. So maybe I'll do it at a eight minute mile, you know, but, you know, so, and then I'll walk at a steady, easy pace. Um, and since then I did the, the marathon using his method, I did 15 second, uh, run 30 second walk the entire way. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay around 14 minute miles. And, um, after that, I guess it was back in 2017, I started working for Jeff as one of his program directors. And I started teaching the method because I wanted to give back to, you know, people here on Long Island. And, you know, we also, it started as a beginner group. We started at five seconds and then we went to 10 and then we went to 15. And even today with a lot of my, I have runners who are elite runners. I have beginner runners. I have um, middle of the pack of runners and we're all doing the same exact thing. We're all going at it, you know, easy 15 second run, 30 second walk for our long runs and we run together. And the thing about it is, you know, as you said before, with the back of the Packers, you get to really talk to people and you get to really know who they are and all about them. And these people um, that are part of my We Are Endurance group are some of the closest friends that I have. I mean, I just absolutely love these people. And they've been my groupies on um, my uh, book tours. <laughs> they've been coming to every one of them. It's really very, very nice. Well, cool. Another another key aspect of uh, Jeff Galloway's uh, run, walk, run is that you, for that 15 seconds, even though you're running faster, you're not redlining. You're, you're, you're pushing yourself right up to a point. You're not letting yourself get winded. So that 30 seconds off is just a really good break to let your everything kind of slow down the heart rate, go down a little bit, and then yeah. you're in a good position to, to go again for those 15, again, just right up to the line and then you're off. And that's why you're choosing five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds each, you know, just finding your interval is really important because you'll just know, okay, if I run about this fast, I'm not going to red line. And then I can, I can ease back. Well, once you do the uh, magic mile and you determine what, and the magic mile is basically running around the track four times and then determining what your speed is. And you could either take walk breaks or not talk, take work breaks. You could just run it out. Um, you take that time and you put it into, you know, uh, you put it into a formula and you could actually determine what your race pace is, what your, um, you know, long training rate runs are and that type of thing. And that's really helpful. Like I've got these people who some of them are like running seven minute miles using this method. It's incredible. So it's not just for slow people. It's for anybody who wants to, you know, put that recovery break into their runs. Yeah. Now, another core aspect to this is that um, 
you, you didn't play around. You, you've, you've had coaches, you've had teams, you kind of always had this support network. Can you talk about what that means to you and, and how you went about that? Yeah. I mean, the first, when I first hired a coach, I mean, I didn't want to hire a coach. My friend Becky said, we have to hire coaches. We don't know what we're doing. We have to hire coaches. And so I called up a friend of mine who I knew was an Ironman and she, I was so impressed with her and I asked her if she would coach me. And she said, you know, I'm really not qualified for that, but you could call my coach. And I did. And I hired this guy, coach Richie for the first year. And he really taught me everything about triathlons. Um, And then the following year after that, I ended up switching coaches and I went with somebody who was a little bit more supportive, uh, Coach Danielle. And Coach Danielle, I have been with her since 2015. I still hire her every month to coach me. Um, Even though I'm a qualified, you know, I'm I'm also a USA uh, triathlon coach. I still have my own coach. Like I, that's important to me to have a coach. And, you know, I've been working with her and I definitely have seen significant improvements. Um, She was a pro triathlete and um, she's, you know, just a wonderful person. So she just really makes me feel good about what I'm doing. And that's what I think a good coach is, you know, that balance between feeling really good about what you're doing and, and, and structuring your workouts. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard to call your coach up or to visit your coach. And, um, when they start asking you about how, how this particular workout went and you don't really have an answer because you didn't do that workout. Um, (laughs) you don't want to say that, you know, so it it holds you accountable and kind of keeps you moving forward. Now there was another concept and, and you didn't really write about it so much as you, you, you demonstrated it, um, in most of the stories about a race or something you were going to do, uh, like you talk, there's chances of you being swept because you were going to time out. Uh, there are times when, you know, things are just not working out well for you because of the conditions. Um, but you always seem to have this internal drive to stick it out. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing a lot of book book tours and people have been asking me about that, you know, like you, you know, uh, uh, the other day I was asked, um, you know, you had a horrible year this year. How did you keep going? Like, why are you, what's your drive? How do you get yourself to do this? And I guess for me, I've, always, you know, when I was a child, I've, I always felt like I was being put down, you know, even by my parents, by my teachers, I never felt like anybody was encouraging me. So I had to reach within myself to get that encouragement. And for me, when somebody says to me, you know, you can't, or if I feel like I can't do something, I make it my business that I can do it. Like I just, it's, it's almost like a crazy motivator, but that motivates me to, to keep going, even though, you know, the obstacles are against me. I mean, I was swimming, um, a 5.5 mile swim. It was supposed to be 5.5 miles, uh, from, uh, fire Island to Bayshore. You know, it's a pretty long (laughs) swim in, in, you know, open water and the water, the currents were like ridiculously choppy and, you know, big wakes, like I couldn't even see. And 
I asked my, my son to be my kayaker, but I didn't really understand the race. And I didn't realize that I, I really should have had an experienced kayaker with me. You know, he had only gone on like a little pond that didn't have any kind of current. So he didn't really know how to deal with it. And we ended up getting drifted. We drifted way, way off. We were about a mile, a mile and a half off course. And the volunteers had to come get us and direct us back to, you know, where we were supposed to swim. And the swim time cutoff was four hours. I was like, and and the crazy thing was, was that my Garmin, my Garmin stopped working for like an hour, an hour and a half. So I'm thinking that I have all this time to get in. (laughs) And in reality, I was so close to the, to the end, you know, I was the last one. I mean, we were all, the boats were following me in and, but I did it, you know, and I, and even though my arm started, stopped, you know, it stopped working. I I couldn't even get my arm over my shoulder at one point. I just, I was exhausted. I mean, I, I crossed that finish line. I, I, I can't even do this, but I did it. And it felt so good. And I think that that's the driving thing is when you finish these races, you are so, you feel so good. You feel so high. You feel like you've got this, you know, you've got the world, you know, you've got the whole world on your shoulder. I mean, it's just wonderful. Yeah. It it sounds like what you're doing is you're kind of tapping into this inner rebel that you have, you're finding your inner strength. And for you, that's as a rebel. Mm -hmm. And you just say, well, no, if I think I can't do this, well, I'm going to prove myself wrong. If someone (laughs) else tells me I can't do this, I'm going to prove them wrong. So uh, Hillary, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? You know, I would say for me, It's be consistent, just be consistent, just get out there, do what you need to do, right? You know, you have a schedule, stick to it. And that's one thing a lot of people don't do. And for me, I find like it's become almost an addiction for me. So at four o'clock in the morning, I'm up, I'm ready to go. And I'll either swim, bike or run. All right. So one would be consistent. Two would be to eat right and to drink water and to, you know, really try to get those macronutrients in you. Don't feel like, uh, you know, don't stray from that. Like once you start eating junk food, you really feel it when you're training. Not good. And then the third thing, I've been trying to do, and this may sound a little strange, but I've been trying to meditate, you know, really just relax my mind. Even though I feel like when I'm working out and when I'm training for triathlon, it's my time, it's, you know, it's me time. I still feel like I need to just take that stuff out of my head and just relax and meditate. And I take you know, 10 minutes or whatever a day just to calm everything down and, and feel good. And that helps. It really does. Thank you for sharing that. 
Hillary, if someone wanted to learn more about you and learn more about your book, From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete, where would you like for me to send them? Sure. They, I mean, if you would like to get a copy of the book, you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or any of the Barnes and Noble retail stores out there. You can just ask for it. Um, to get in touch with me, I have two blogs and also a podcast. Um, my blog is hillarytopper.com. It's Hillary with one L. And my other blog is atriathletesdiary.com. And that was how the book actually formed was from that blog. Um, and you can get in touch with me from either one of those blogs. Um, even if you just type in my name on Google, Hillary Topper, I come right up and you can get in touch with me. And my email, I think is up there too. So it's Hillary at hjmt.com. Right. Thank you so much for being a part of 40 plus fitness. Well, thank you so much, Alan. I so appreciate you having me on the show. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. What a fun interview and right up my alley to couch potato to endurance athlete. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Hillary sounds like a neat lady. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the kind of the cool things about her story is that if you think you can't, mm -hmm. then you can't. And if you think you can, then you can, and it's a Ford so quote. Um, and the whole point being is, you know, it, you know, your brain, your mindset is going to take you where you go. Mm -hmm. And so when she decided she was going to start doing things was just started doing things. Mm -hmm. And then she realized, okay, I'm not great at this, but I enjoy the process and I enjoy sure. the doing. Oh and so gosh. she kept pushing herself a little bit and pushing herself a little bit. And I, I can't, I couldn't fathom swimming over five miles. <laughs> I know that is you know? crazy. I know. And, 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 and she <laughs> didn't just swim the five miles because she got off course. You know, she mm -hmm. literally swam probably seven, eight miles mm -hmm. when she was only planning on swimming that now a story she didn't yeah. tell was, you know, I guess, apparently where you wear a wetsuit and you're swimming that long, there's a whole lot of chafing going on. Um, and we know that as runners, you know, we, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's oh, a whole yeah. lot of chafing going on. Well, <laughs> sure. it's, it's yeah. The wetsuit. I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, um, gosh. but yeah, so she, um, she, yeah, she, she changed everything and she was mm -hmm. not a spring chicken when she did it. Well, no. And that's what I absolutely love. You know, there's actually a lot of us endurance athletes don't really get started until our forties and fifties. And she mentioned that she started running at the age of 48. So just sit for a second, 48, you know, that you're right. That's not a spring chicken. And, you know, not that 48 is old. I'm 51 and I certainly don't feel old, but you know, it is absolutely later in life and you don't have to be a collegiate athlete or you don't have to have run track in high school or something to enjoy different activities, different sports in these later years. And the fact that she's done so well, especially in the triathlon, as well as with swimming, swimming is is incredible. I mean, there's a lot of older athletes out there. There's something to be said for getting started a little later in life. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call this an instructional manual. I mean, she puts in some little tidbits in there that would mm -hmm. definitely help you as you're going through this process. You know, she gives mm -hmm. some really good tips, uh, but the book is really a motivational tome. I mean, it's really built around, okay, here's what I did. Here's what my struggles were. Here's how I overcame them. Mm -hmm. And here's what I accomplished and here's I what I it. learned. And so, you know, it's, if, if, if you've 
not, if you're, if you're sitting on the couch and you're thinking, you know, I really need to do something, this mm-hmm. is probably a great book to get you thinking, wait, this woman just did that. And, yeah. you know, she was not that far removed from this a similar couch, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. And, and she had all this stuff happening too. She had a career, she had a family, she had all the things that you think might be holding you back. Mm-hmm. She's making the time and she's getting it done. I think that's wonderful. It's just, I think a lot of people look at like the Olympic athletes, they're all young people. They're in their teens and twenties. Well, no, but there know? are a lot now that are hanging around, you know, there and, are. And you're looking at Tom Brady's still playing football at 43. <laughs> I mean, I so, know. Yeah. So things are changing, you know, it people is. are building a capacity and they're keeping that capacity longer. Um, and so those, those should be your inspirations to say, you know, an 80 year old man's climbing Everest. Yep. I got oh, no yeah. excuse. I got no oh, excuse. For sure. <laughs> well, the second, the second misconception too, is that, uh, we're all Boston qualifying or, um, triathlon Kona attending athletes. And you guys spent some time discussing being in the back of the pack and you can find so much, uh, strength as well as enjoyment in these sports without having to stand on a podium. It's not that we're out there to win. It's we're out there to accomplish something. And even if it's competing about against ourselves, you know, getting a PR or just doing something we've never done before, there's so much excitement to that. And no, you do not have to be super fast, super strong, super anything. You just need to get out there and do it. Yeah. And, and a lot of those races, like the New York marathon, the Boston marathon, they have, uh, lotteries. They, they Mm -hmm. allow a certain number of runners that don't qualify, wouldn't qualify, Mm -hmm. uh, back of the Packers, if you will. So if, if you have aspirations to say, well, I'd love to go to Boston and run the Boston Mm -hmm. marathon, you can put your name in, Yeah, Uh, just put your name in when you, you never know. And, and so as they get slots and they grant you a slot, then book your airline and go, Mm -hmm. um, or just book your airline in the hopes it happens and then just enjoy Boston, um, during that time of the year, you know, same thing. But, uh, you know, so yeah, I think that's, that's the core of it is just, you know, she has the right mindset to know, you know, where she is in the world and know that, okay, she's getting the joy out of just knowing that she's pushing herself to do something. And when Mm -hmm. she completes it, um, you know, again, that's that no one can take that away from her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is a great motivational book. It sounds like a good read. It is. It is good. All right. Well, Rich, I'll talk to you next week then. Sounds great. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And before we close out this episode, if you're not making the progress you want because something seems to be blocking you, go to 40plusfitness.com forward slash quiz to take the What's Your Health Blocker quiz. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness podcast, we meet Joseph Keon and discuss his book, The Alzheimer's Revolution, an evidence-based lifestyle program to build cognitive resilience and reduce your risk of Alzheimer's disease. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.